Well, how many like roller coasters out there? I believe God's got us on a venture ride and some of the greatest rides are not knowing which way it's gonna turn and whether you're up or you're down. That's why we get on roller coasters. In fact, early in the year, we went to Dreamworld over in the Gold Coast and we didn't really survey or do some planning. We just decided to go not knowing what was at, not Dreamworld, Movie World. And uh, we walked through the gates and uh, we looked at the, the, the ride that was closest to us and we just went and lined up, not knowing what we're about to get on. And uh, so, so we went there, we, we passed the height restrictions, and uh, we, we thought best to get on the big ride early so we avoid the queues later. So we jumped on, and we got on this roller coaster, and we thought, oh, well, it was close to the gate, it mustn't be one of the big ones, not realizing that it was one of the most scarier ones. Uh, you know, how many know, but once you're in the seat, you know, there's no turning back. You're locked in, and uh, we went on the Superman ride, and apparently it goes from zero to a hundred in two seconds. So most roller coasters, it's like you you have that, you know, at the start you have that just gradual ascent before it really gets into it. This one, right from, you know, rips off your face. It's like all over in an hour, 45. And in fact, it goes uh, 3.2 times uh, the the force of gravity. Um, 3.2. And so you're feeling it. And uh, Kathy and I came off the ride and and we thought, man, what did we just do? Because how many know as you get older, your equilibrium struggles a little bit more than when you were young. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, all the old people should lift their hands right now. It's like, yeah, it, it, you know, you used to get off those rides and let's do it again. But Kathy and I'm going, oh, it's like uh, we're struggling to get our equilibrium back. Uh, but we're glad we did it because everything after that was tame. <laughs> everything after that was just like, hey, we got, we got this. How many know, you know, if, if, if we knew what it was, we probably wouldn't have done it first. Uh, and, and that's like some of our journey with God. How many know God sometimes gets you in before you know what you've signed up to? And, and, and you sign up to it and you go, oh man, I wouldn't have done this if I knew what it entailed, but, but I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. I, I'm glad I went through it because, you know, everything after is just, just, just a roll-on from there. And, and I, I love the fact that the, the Christian walk is an adventure. Uh, you know, it's, it's, there's ups, there's downs, there's turns, there's twists. But, but it's a, a, a life that, that nothing, uh, nobody else can offer. But, but the church doesn't stay stationary, it, it moves forward. And, you know, we, we read the story in Acts chapter 3 of, of Peter and John going to the gate, beautiful, and they see a lame man who's, who's been there for a long time. They would have seen him before, but this time they, they, they approached it differently because they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they saw this man and they said, silver and gold I don't have, but that which I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. This man gets up on his feet And he starts leaping and he starts praising Jesus. Because everybody knew this guy, it attracted some attention. And then the religious leaders saw what was going on and they brought Peter and John in and they began to question question them because they wanted to shut down this move. 
And, and, and they saw that, that here were just two uneducated men, and they saw that they had a boldness about their life and that they had been with Jesus. I believe when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a boldness that comes to your life, and other people start to recognize it. And, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they began to recognize it, and they wanted to shut this thing down. And so they forbid them from using the name Jesus. Like Peter and John, they go out, having just been put on trial, out of that place, and they gather with Christians. And what do they do? They go into a prayer meeting, and they pray for more boldness. You know, they, they don't get quiet. Oh, we should scale this back a little bit. You know, we're under persecution. We don't want to cause too much of an uproar, too much of a stir. You know, the very thing that got them in trouble, they pray for more of. How often when we get into trouble, we, we scale back. We shrink back. We withdraw. You know, I really believe we're living in a season where God's saying, come on, I want you to be bold. Come on, bold. Boldness is not necessarily standing on a street corner screaming. Some people think that's boldness. No, boldness is looking the devil in the eye and boldly declaring the word of the Lord. It's boldly saying, hey, devil, you're not going to oppose me. You're not going to oppose God's purpose in my life. Come on, if God be for me, who can be against me? Forgot a title for today's message. It's putting a demand on God. Putting a demand on God. Right now, I believe uh, you know, God is looking for a people with a bold faith. And I found that bold faith deals with our pride more than a whole lot of other things. Why? Because, you know, we can call faith many different things. In fact, a lot of people's faith is just an educated risk. You know, to live is to risk. To get married is risky. You know, what if you marry the wrong person? You know, there's a risk, but you take, a, take that risk. It's, it, you do your due diligence. And, and, and it's, yeah, we're, everybody takes risks. It's not necessarily bold faith to start a business. Again, educated risk. You know, sometimes what we call faith is just because there's an elimination of every other option. And so, uh, you know, we've eliminated every other option, so what are we going to do? We're going to stand in faith. And it's like the doctors can do no more for us, and so, you know, all the other paths have been shut off. So what are we going to do? We, we, we say that's faith. But, but there's a difference between that and, and bold faith. And, and bold faith deals with our pride. Why? Because it removes every other fallback option other than God. It, it strips us of putting our confidence in something else other than God. See, I, I found that we seldomly stumble into great acts or great demonstrations of power. You know, how, how many want to see God do miracles? Anybody? I love miracles. I want to see God do miracles. See, we all want God to do a miracle. But none of, none of us like being in the position where we need a miracle. So, so we want God to do it, but, you know, being in a position where we actually need a miracle? You know, nah, that's uncomfortable. You know, that, that freaks me out. See, how many know as a church, we need a miracle, we need a building. 
and I read my Bible, I read my Bible, and I go, hey, man, the kingdom of God is always advancing. The kingdom of God is always moving forward. It's never going back. In fact, Isaiah chapter 9 says, the increase of God's governance, his peace and his governance knows no end. Heaven suffers violence. Uh, but the, uh, the kingdom of heaven is, it, uh, the Bible says, is forcefully advancing. It's forcefully advancing. So, you know, I, I think, we're, well, we're part of the kingdom. You know, we move forward. We don't go back. The only time we go back is to set up for a greater advancement. It's preparation for promotion. Come on, how many know God wants to promote you? God, uh, God wants to promote you. He's for you. But what we've got to understand is there's a timing to that promotion. And God has to prepare us for what He wants to give us. And the only time we, we go back is, is it's just to set up for, for what, what God wants to release. See, see, the truth in many places, if we had what we want now, it, it would destroy us. Because we're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. What's God doing? In a lot of places, God's getting us ready. In fact, you know, God said to the Israelites when it came to the promised land, He said to them, I'm going to give it to you, listen to this, little by little. At least the beasts of the field become too numerous for you and everything becomes out of control. I'm going to give it to you little by little. I'm going to give it to you according to your capacity to look after it. Uh, that's why, you know, in Proverbs, it, it goes on and it talks about how an inheritance gained quickly will not be blessed in the end. You know, it won't be blessed because you gained it quickly. You don't have the capacity. And so, so God wants to promote us. He wants to move us forward, but he's waiting for a people who have the ability to handle what he wants to release to us. Come on, he did it with Gideon. Yeah, uh, Gideon. Yeah, you know, the the danger in many places is if God gave us what we wanted right now, we'd use it for our glory. And, and sometimes God has to strip us back to a place where we recognize it's all Him. Yeah, you know, Gideon. He was up against impossibility. I mean, no, impossibility glorifies God. Yeah, you know, there's some people in this place. You're up against impossibility. There's good news because God loves to work in impossibility. God stripped back Gideon's army. He was 32,000 against an army that couldn't be numbered. The Midianites, they couldn't count their camels, let alone the people. It was an army that couldn't be numbered. And God says to Gideon, hey, you need to break this down. The people who are with you are too many. Too many in Judges chapter 7 verse 2, it says, God said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. You know, that first sentence is a little bit strange, eh? Too many? You know, often in life, we go, man, I've got too little. Yeah, you know, our problem is, oh, I've got too little, I need more. But could it be in some places, it's not that we have too little, it's we have too much? And God has to strip some things back to prepare us. He says, the people are with you are too many. Least Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying my own hand has saved me. 
See, how often in our life have we received a blessing and we forgot God? You know, God does a miracle, gets us out of a tight spot, and, and then we just go about not acknowledging Him. Not, not testifying about Him. I, I like growing this morning, it's like, man, I've been blessed. I've got to do this. I've got God's poured so much into my life. I've got to have an outflow to this. You know, or God answers prayers and, and then, you know, He gives us something and then we're not prepared to serve God with the answers that He's given us. You know, many people have got testimonies of God opening a door so that they can own a house. But next minute, you know, it's like, oh, I can't come to church because I've got to work on the house. It's what's up with that? You know, oh, God opened the door in my work. I've got a promotion the next minute. You know, I'm too busy on a Sunday because I've got all this work and all these things coming in and we don't serve God with the answer that he brought our way. See, see God is glorified through impossibility. But we've got to make sure that, that in that we, we recognize that it's not us. How do I know God's glorified through impossibility? Well, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And, and in this, yeah, the chief priest afterwards, after Lazarus is up, he's breathing, he's alive, the chief priest plotted to kill Jesus, but the Bible tells us that they also plotted to kill Lazarus. Lazarus was a threat. Uh, why? Because... Because people, they understood that many people were believing in Jesus because of Lazarus. See, see, our testimony is so powerful. Come on, how many would say God's been good to them? Come on, for how many has God done a miracle in their life? You know, see, the enemy just doesn't want to steal the miracle. He, he wants to steal our testimony. He's not just after you. And it's in those impossible situations, God is glorified. God had to say to Gideon, man, I've got to break this down because if it's just what you've got now, you're going to think you did it. But I want to make it clear that God has done this. Yeah, God has got a building for us. It's impossible. How many know God's got it? Come on, the kingdom of God is advancing, it's moving forward. And as a church, we're not going back into a lesser venue. Come on, it's moving forward. We're going to have God's best. And this is going to be a testimony to God. I want to declare it now before we've even got anything, you know, moving forward. It's going to be a testimony to God of what God can do through a church. See, we know God's brought us here. God led us out of the Mercury Theater into the wilderness of hiring venues. And we've got the tabernacle. We're sitting up from place to place, the tent to tent. We're moving around. But, but God's doing something in the middle of us. He's taking us, He wants to take us into His promise. Amen. Do I get an amen? Amen. We, we know God's in this. Now, now, here's the deal. Going into the promise land, it's impossible in our own strength. But for us to go into the promised land, we've got to understand the purpose of the wilderness. And the purpose of the wilderness for the Israelites was all about giving them a spiritual detox. It's about them detoxing of, of what they're growing up in and around. 
See, they're, they're growing up as slaves. They had left Egypt, but, but Egypt was still in them. And while Egypt was in them, they couldn't see their future. They couldn't see what God wanted to release to them. So, so they, they had to, all their dependencies had to be removed. I love Psalm 131. I read it at the beginning of the year. And, and God spoke to me through it. It says, Lord, verse 1, my heart is not proud. It's a good thing to say. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I've calmed and quieted myself. Listen to this. I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child, my soul is within me. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Come on, oh, equippers, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Come on, put your name in there. Oh, Sam, put your hope in the Lord now and always. I love how it starts off. The psalmist says, I don't concern my matter, uh, my, myself with matters too great and too awesome to grasp. Some of us, you know, just trying to figure everything out. But he says, I don't do that. I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child. My soul is within me. Uh, to be weaned means you're now managing without something that you are accustomed to. You're now managing with something that you're, you're now no longer dependent on. Uh, if the truth be known, many of us are, are dependent on stuff, other stuff more than God. And God needs to wean our soul. You know, people get upset about money. It's because money's got a hold of them. There's no problem having money, but when money controls you, determines your emotions, determines everything, you know you need to come off that. You need to have a dependence on God. You know, come on, we need to address some of the sacred cows in our life. What are sacred cows? I love this definition. Sacred cows are our favorite imperfections that we like to protect. Sacred cows are our favorite imperfections that we like to protect. You know, one of the biggest cows <laughs> that we need to kill as a society, how many know is a convenience cow? Talked about it last week, man, we live in a convenience society. We want everything just rocking up on a doorstep. Uber Eats, you know, we've got autofill on the internet. Convenience is cool. I love convenience. I love it, love it. But, but sometimes in making everything convenient, how many know we're not helping people? In fact, people get dependent on things they shouldn't be dependent on, and then they're helping people and trying to make things convenient. They're not building their own strength. Following Jesus, I found, is very inconvenient. Yeah, because you've got to die to yourself. Uh, it's inconvenient, and, and it goes against comfort. Uh, I say this uh, in a lot of places. John Wimber talks about in the Christian life, there needs to happen three conversions. Three conversions in a Christian's life. Number one, they need to be converted to Christ. Number one. Second conversion is they need to be co converted to the church. 
because we're baptized into his body. Number three, we need to be converted to the cause. Yeah, yeah many people are attached to, to, to Jesus, but they don't love what he loves, the church. And if you love Jesus, you, gotta love, you start loving what he loves and you get involved with what he loves. But how many know if you're converted to the church, but the church doesn't have a cause, we're just a religious institute. And so we need to be converted to Christ, we need to be converted to the church, we need to be converted to the cause. Yeah, but the problem is, all of us want that conveniently, but here's the deal, conviction does what convenience can't. And conviction is what builds your life. See, see many of us today, we want what conviction produces, but we want it conveniently. We want the milk and the honey of the promised land, but we want it in the delivery method of manna. See, see, manna was outside the door of their tents in the wilderness, you know, everything provided for, you know, sandals never wore out. Man, that would be great for parents, eh? Man, I'm fine, you know, school shoes, you just go, how many know what I'm talking about there? It's just like, never wore out, you know. That'd be a blessing, convenient, you know, just answers. There was no need. In the promised land, they had to go out and get their food. But we want the milk and the honey of the promised land, but we want it in the delivery method of, of mana. Uber promises, please. Now, does anybody have their app? You know, can we just have their app to discipleship? Uh, download the app, and the app, you know, does all your discipleship for you. <laughs> I mean, no, that, that's not a reality. That's not a reality. And, and, and we've got to look at some of these things, because, you know, could it be we've got some cows, some sacred cows? You know, we may have some cows in our life, but, you know. <laughs> but we've got some sacred cows, that we actually need to destroy, and we've got a dependence on these things. And, and you know, it's like, oh, don't touch that. Now, don't address that. Now, that's my favorite imperfection. And I like that. That brings comfort to me. In Luke chapter 12, it's an interesting chapter because Jesus speaks out. He's talking to thousands of people. And, and Jesus goes straight there. He, he, he addresses the hip, hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He says, you know, they say one thing, but they do another. And then he brings up the verse that we talked about last week. You know, it says, don't fear man, fear God. You know, fear, fear God, he's more powerful than that. And we talk that humility is the fear of the Lord. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, and then he goes on and he says, come on, you're more valuable to God than a sparrow. He knows the hairs on your head. And, you know, you're, you don't have no reason to fear going without because God cares for you and loves you. And then in about verse 13, this guy randomly speaks up. And it sort of cuts across the whole narrative. He says, then, then one guy from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide, to divide the inheritance with me. It's like, hey, that's, I wasn't even talking about that. Now, he asked Jesus to do something in his situation, but he doesn't get, and we're going to see this, the answer he's looking for. 
See, right now, many of us come to church and, and we, we want in many places God to change our situation. I challenge to say God, first, He wants to change our heart. And then our situation will fall into line with our heart. Maybe instead of praying, God, change my situation, we should pray, God, here's my problem. Change my heart. See, often we want a change of situation more than we want a change of heart. And, and Jesus goes in and he tells a parable to address this man's heart. He says, he says to him, first he says, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to him, take heed. So take heed, listen to this. That's what he's saying. You need to tune in. Take heed and beware of covetedness. For one's life does not consist of the in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, that, that covetedness is, is that lust after more than one share. It's grasping for something that will never satisfy you. And then it says in verse 16, then he spoke this parable to them. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plenty. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That sounds good. Yeah, just do that. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, those, then whose will those things be which you have provided? Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now in the natural, that seems, oh, that's a little bit harsh. But Jesus called this man, he called him a fool. Why was he a fool? Just three things, quickly. Three things. He was a fool because God was not in his thoughts. God was not in his thoughts. The problem wasn't what he had and how he got what he had. It says he had gained, he had prospered. He didn't get it illegally. He didn't get it through taking advantage of others. So, so all he had you know, was getting in a right, was, he got in the right way, but he was a fool because he didn't acknowledge where it came from. If we look just at the start, it says, the ground, listen to this, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plenty, plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Yeah, the ground, the ground, how many know we, we can do a whole lot, we can work hard, we can plant and different things, but there's a fine line between success and failure. You know, even in a sports match, they often say it's the rub of the green. In other words, it's, it's stuff out of our control. It's the bounce of the ball. That, that, that can be a determining factor. You know, and there's very little that sometimes separates between jubilant celebration of, of winning and, and, and loss, the misery of, of losing. You know, as, as much as working hard is important and having a plan and being wise, sometimes you know, success is just being in the right place at the right time. And, and it's just favor. You know, too many people today think, look what I have done. 
But there was always a lot of circumstances and things that contributed to you getting to where you are. You're not there just because you're good. Come on, God ordained it. God put people around you. God introduced people. It's like, it's that acknowledgement and God wasn't even in his thoughts. See, see why is tithing important? Because it just acknowledges the truth about our life. He's given us the power to get wealth. The fact that you can work is a blessing from God. Come on, the fact that you got gifts, the gifts, you didn't earn them. He gave them to you. The way, the, because you can think the way you think, you know, because, yeah, you've developed those gifts. But God placed them in there. And how often do we go through life and think, man, I'm awesome. Yeah. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But it's because of God. I want to challenge you. You know, everything good going on in your life right now is because of God. And, 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 and this man just didn't even acknowledge it. Come on, if you're being successful, if you're seeing favor, if you're seeing blessing in your life, if people are coming into your world, you know, and you're gaining influence and you're having an impact, it's because of Jesus. Come on, uh, you know, anything good that takes place through, it takes place in this place is because of Jesus. We've got some amazing people, but they're amazing because they're dependent on Jesus. And it's our dependence on Jesus that is what makes us awesome. God was in his thoughts. Come on, how are you acknowledging God? I say a few words to him, praise him on a Sunday. Give him some substance. Honor him with the first fruits of all your inquiries. It's acknowledging God. You know, some of us think, oh, I got there, I worked hard, I deserve it. Well, here's the question do you want God's blessing on your future? Or don't you? Because you are where you are, I challenge to say, because of God. Come on, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Yeah, it's rain. It comes down on the just and the unjust. It happens, you know, and just because, you know, you're not attached to God and you succeed doesn't mean it was you. Yeah, here's the thing. God was not in his thoughts. Number two, God was not in his plans. Verse 18, he said, so I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. Yeah, in this verse, there's, 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 there's four times it says my and eight times there's I. The unholy trinity is in this parable. Me, my, and I. That's the unholy trinity. He says, so I will do this. I will pull down. I will. I won't even consider God. I just will go and do this. I will. This is what I am going to do. I will store my crops and my goods. And, and, and he was a fool. Why? Because he was wise in his own opinions. Here's why. Some of us are going, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You haven't even submitted it to God. You haven't even prayed about it. Yeah, you haven't even asked whether that fits with God's plan and purpose for your life. The Proverbs says, commit your plans to God that your thoughts may be established. Some of you are on career pathways because you just said, I will, this is what, and you haven't prayed about it. Is that God's purpose for your life? Come on, life is too short not to know God's purpose. 
James chapter 4 puts it this way. And, and, and look at how pride can come in really quickly. And it comes in subtly when it comes to our, our plans. It says, look, here you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. You ought to say this, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Verse 16, otherwise you're boasting about your pretentious, your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. God wasn't in his plans. Sin isn't just about not doing bad. Sin sometimes is the failure to do good. Well, I'm not doing any harm, anyone. You know, I'm just maintaining. By the way, maintenance is boring. That's why many Christians are bored in their, their life. It's not about advancement. It's about maintaining. You're bored and you got religious because it's just, oh, I'm maintaining. In fact, you're not even maintaining. You're going backwards because you're lo- missing out on the opportunity of moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and here James, James goes, remember, it's a sin to know what to do and not to do it. Come on, I, I really believe there's a voice in us that's always leading us forward. And the question is, are we dismissing that voice? Or are we listening that, to that voice? Because he's the one who leads us forward. How many, how many know weather can ruin a plan? Come on, you can have the best laid plan, World Cup, you know, typhoon comes through. You know, holiday. Oh, I'm just going to lie on the beach. Rains the whole time. Come on, rain. Weather can destroy a plan. You can make plans. But in the end, do you want God in those plans? And sin is simply failing to do what you're called to do. And that's why as Christians, you've got to understand, we're called to bold faith. That's not for a crazy few. We're called to advance each and every one of us. And it's not about protecting or preserving. Oh, well, what if we fail? Well, you can recover from failure. But it's hard to recover from waste. It's hard to recover from waste. And some of us are just wasting time. Now, he was foolish, not because he made provision for his future. He was foolish because he believed his wealth could secure his future. I just need enough so I can be secure and then I'll serve God. Now, is that security in our finances or is it in God? Okay, last one. Number three, if we could have the musicians up. God was not in his future. So God was not in his thoughts. God was not in his plans. God was not in his future. God was not in his future. Verse 19, he says, And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Man, that sounds like our society today. That's a dream. Ease, eat, drink, be merry. Go on holiday. You know, go from place to place, just travel the world, eat, drink, be merry. Convenience. 
Yeah, that's what the world's selling right now. Hello, is anybody out there? I, 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 I just think, it's like, I like that. That's what I want. Do you really? Maybe you're trying to grasp something that's not going to satisfy your heart. You're born for kingdom adventure. You're being born for kingdom purpose. Oh, well, once I get the house and once I go, no, no, you're born for advancement. Yeah, the goal of modern society is a crazy goal. Eat, eat, take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. I mean, no, one night can change everything. One night can change everything. And this guy found out one night changed everything. But God said to him, fool, this night, your soul will be required of you. Then those, then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up his treasure for himself. What is he? He's a fool and is not rich towards God. He's a fool, not because of his wealth, not, not because of his desire to succeed, but because he put infinite value on finite things. He put infinite value on finite things. See, he believed, he, oh, I have all I need and more. Some of us in here, I'm all good. I got it sorted. I have all I need, more. I feed the family. You know, look after, have good holidays, do this. I, I'm good. Yeah, when it comes down to it, he thinks he has all he needs, but he's left short. It's inadequate. He planned, his plan for happiness was foolish because he didn't consider God's purpose. And he didn't recognize his own mortality. And in the end, he didn't even achieve his own goal. There was no taking it easy. Being, being a fool is not about mental capacity, it's about spiritual discernment. It's actually not discerning what's going on. Uh, James Elliot, he was a missionary, famous uh, missionary who died on the mission field. And he said this quote, and I think it's going to come up on screen. He says, nah, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Uh, see, what you've got to understand, riches, and many people are chasing them today. Chasing riches. If I just had this, if I just had that. Chasing. Riches have a weakness. And their weakness is they don't have any purchasing power after death. They have no purchasing power after death. That's why we've got to take what we have now. Nothing wrong with having wealth, but we've got to take what we have now and we've got to use it for kingdom advancement. We've got to use it for kingdom purpose. Don't store up your treasure in the wrong place because you can't take it. The treasure of heaven is people and we've got to take our worldly wealth and we've got to use it for kingdom purpose. Come on, do I get an amen? Yeah, give God a big clap if you're going to clap. Come on, let's give Him a... And just in case you don't really see it, Paul says it to Timothy, and we're going to finish with this verse. Teach those who are rich in this world. Who are the rich people? Well, if you live in New Zealand, you're well up there. Top 5% of the world. You have an income over 40,000. Yeah, you're rich. We always think rich is somebody else. No, it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. We're dealing with pride. 
and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That's good news. God doesn't want you to be miserable. He, he, he wants to give you stuff so you can enjoy life. Again, nothing wrong with having stuff. It's when stuff has you. It's when your happiness is attached to it. And He'll give us all things we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money. This is how you do use your money. To do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Zoe, true life. You can be living, but not really living. In fact, there's many walking zombies around today. It's just zombies wake up. That's not life. You can experience true life. Nothing's more tiring than just maintaining maintaining when, the, when it comes to kingdom it's all about advancement and bold faith it's not screaming on the side of a street bold faith is just aligning yourself with the word of God and saying I'm going to align my life to God's purpose God you're in my thoughts you're in my plans and you're in my future in Jesus name